going so far for you? Um, it's been quiet, for sure. <laughs> but um, also quite fulfilling um, because I'm writing as usual. So um, sometimes it's great to just sit back and think about what one is doing. Um, and the new year has given me that opportunity to do that, even in lockdown. So that's been good. Yeah, and have you found it easier or harder to write during lockdown? Um, it really depends. Um, I had a very good November, for instance, um, but January, uh, by contrast, hasn't been as um, productive in terms of actually um, getting words down. So um, I've learned to just take each day as it comes. And um, if a writing day is going particularly well, then I'm grateful. Um, if not, you know, just come back the next day and try again. <laughs> that's, that's my motto right now. Yeah, I think that's the, the kind of motto for a lot of people. I guess we just realise we're kind of in hard times and we can't, we don't know how like we're just going to deal with that. So just each day as it comes, really. Absolutely. Um, I think this crisis has taught me a lot about um, finding opportunity, um, even in difficult times, um, and also um, doing, um, or rather focusing on what um, I enjoy doing. So that has um, helped me understand that. Um, that about myself yeah and you have a new um, book coming out in March called Future Perfect absolutely I'm really excited about it yeah this is your second book um, so what, what can you tell us about it um, well it's a story of a murder um, case which has to be solved within one day because the policeman who's investigating the case um, thinks he may die the following day, at least his voice assistant, Alexa, is 99.74% certain that he's going to die tomorrow. So our detective has a ticking clock, he's got to solve his case fast. Um, at the same time, his fiance, Viola, has left him, and um, he has to keep his past a secret. So it's a race um, against the clock, um, but at the same time, also a love story um, of a couple which is torn apart by secrets, grief and guilt. It sounds incredible. I was telling my mum about it yesterday because she's really into like murder mysteries and stuff and she's like, oh, it sounds incredible. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. Yeah, and how how did you come up with the concept that he had to solve it in one day? Like, what, what made you decide one day? Well, my previous book, my debut novel, Yesterday, um, is also really about a detective who's got to solve his case within one day. <laughs> But the situation there is slightly different because he lives in a world where everyone, including himself, only remembers one day. So <laughs> in, in his case, in the case of my first detective, um, he's got to solve his case while he can still remember. Mm. So I really enjoyed writing um, to this kind of ticking clock where um, someone has got the incentive to do things quickly and also to think on his feet. So I decided to carry that concept over to my second novel, um, in which my detective Christian, the new detective, um, he, his, his problem is that he lives in 2030. And by then, computers will know so much about us, they can predict how our lives are going to be, perhaps even when we're going to die. So in 2020, uh, rather 2030, Alexa thinks that Christian um, is 99.74% likely to die in the next day. So that gives Christian his own ticking clock. Mm. 
that's such an interesting concept um because the next question I was going to ask you is you know how how does technology influence your novels um yeah well actually um I'm very uh, fascinated by technology I used to write for the science and technology section of The Economist and at one point I wrote a whole bunch of articles on detection technologies like how to predict natural phenomena like forest fires or tsunamis, also how to de detect the position of buried treasure underground. So I've long been in, um, very interested in how to predict things. And so um, I suppose um, future perfects is just a natural extension of this interest in technology. And so just taking it really further from where we are now in 2020 to say 10 years in the near future, what um, technology will be like so that um, grew from there. Yeah, that yeah, that's so interesting. And you you also mentioned how the book centers both around serving a solving a murder, and as well as like a love story. How hard or easy was it to get that blend right of you know, um, the pace of writing this murder mystery, but also incorporating the love story? Well, to be honest, it wasn't easy. <laughs> And that's because uh, you are pushing many things at the same time. You want the murder mystery to be flowing. Uh, you want the story um, to keep happening. But at the same time, you want to add this human interest element, this love dimension. So um, on the surface of it, um, it took quite a few redrafts to get the love dimension into the manuscript. And so I must confess, it didn't all happen at once. Um, it happened over multiple drafts, getting the two stories um, flowing and yet happening at the same time in an interesting way. Yeah, and what was the, the biggest difference between yesterday, your, your debut book, and this one, Future Perfect? Um, yesterday is set an alternate reality. Mm -hmm. So I had to create a world um, consisting of lots and lots of people, in fact, everyone <laughs> with limited memory. And so I had to think through the contours of this world. It's a rather different world from the one we currently have, of course. Whereas for Future Perfect, my second book, um, it's just basically a continuation of our own world, um, just set in the future or rather near future. Um, so technically I found Future Perfect a little bit easier to write actually, because I didn't have to invent so much or um, come up with too many things which are very different from what we already have um, because it's not too far away from where we are it's just 10 years down the road really what's happening in future perfect yeah and when you come up with like alternate alternative universes what what do you how do you construct those worlds do you come up with the characters first or is it the plot that comes to you and then you build the world around that um it's a mixture of both I would say that um, characters are very important to my writing. In fact, they are what everything an is anchored on. So if you know your characters inside out, um, and if you were to put them under situations of crisis or pressure, um, once you've thought through what your characters are really like, um, it just becomes natural, what, how they would respond to a particular situation. So for me, I go through a process where I keep thinking about how I want to push a story forward, but at the same time, what will my character logically do 
given his personality. Um, and it's just a way of, um, you know, uh, finding a, a balance between the two. So that's what I have uh, tried in my first book and kind of worked, at least I hope. So I tried to do it again for my second book. Yeah. And then going on to your um, focusing now on your debut novel yesterday, what um, what really inspired that? Because you you mentioned that it's an alternative universe and, you know, they only remember things for one day. But it also kind of focuses on, um, you know, the divisions of like where, where classes are divided, not by wealth or religion, but by how much each group can remember. I mean, how did you come up with those concepts? Well, the idea for yesterday came to me at a dance studio, and it was just a very simple question. Um, what would you do if you can only remember one day, which is yesterday? How would life be like um, if a murder happens? What is everyone going to do if they can only remember one day? So from that question, I literally started writing the next day, and um, the story grew from there. Um, the idea for Future Perfect, on the other hand, came to me on a catwalk. <laughs> That's because I used to be a fashion model. I used to uh, model um, bits and pieces, well, basically nice clothes um, on catwalks. Um, and just before I stepped onto a catwalk in Cambridge, um, someone slapped a really, really expensive um, necklace on my neck, uh, which of course they took away right after I got off the catwalk. But another person also gave me an extremely heavy leather bag so I grabbed the back and went straight into the spotlights and I was almost blinded by them. And as I walked down the runway, people were clapping, some were cheering. I couldn't help but think, what if someone had put a bomb inside this bag? Um, and if we are all going to die because of this, would I have led my life yesterday a little bit differently if I know yesterday that I'm going to die today? So from there, the idea for Future Perfect just came quite naturally. So I guess you could say that both, both novels, um, they started from questions, which I was really keen to answer. So um, that kept my own interest going when I was writing both books. Yeah, I mean, they both come to you at like really weird places, I guess, a dance studio and a catwalk. They're very like vivid places. <laughs> That's why I, I'm fond of saying that um, for writers, nothing's ever wasted. And every experience, the most inconsequential ones at the time, can prove to be extremely consequential when one is writing a novel. You just never know. So um, the point is really to embrace life, the tiny little unexpected things that life throws at you. I think that's really very important when you're writing a book because you're drawing on the quirks, the small nitty gritty, like, like gritty details of the human condition. And that what, and it's what really enriches the novel and what makes it come alive. So my novels do happen. They start from unusual places, but to take the story further, you also need lots of unusual details to populate your story with. So it's all relevant in the end, nothing's wasted. Yeah. And then because both, um, murder is at the, cent at the center of like both of your books, I, I take it then you're a big like murder mystery fan. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, what, what in how did you get into that? Well, um, from a... a a very young age, I read a lot of Annie Blyton in Malaysia when I was growing up. Borrowed lots of Annie Blyton books from the school library. 
Um, so um, the famous five, the secret seven, if I remember correctly, I was just um, very obsessed with murder mysteries as, as, as a child. Um, so I wanted to write, I've always wanted to write ever since I was little. So when the idea for yesterday came to me, um, I think sometime back in 2015, I just went for it. And um, I've never regretted um, not going for it. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how, how has your journey been to publication? I mean, because you also mentioned that you were a model before. So do you still model now or is it ju- are you just focusing on writing? Well, it's a bit difficult to be modeling in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no I, I don't. Um, I've not done shows like catwalk shows in a while. Um, these days I um, focus on my writing um, mostly, um, but I've done quite a bit of other uh, things in the past. I used to teach history at university at Cambridge. Um, I also wrote for various magazines, um, dailies, um, and um, weeklies like, like The Economist. Um, so it's really the multiplicity of experience which informs my writing, um, mm-hmm. being able to draw from my background um, as a historian, as a fashion model. And I actually studied biochemistry as an undergrad at Imperial. Um, so I also have a science kind of uh, background too. So nothing's ever wasted, absolutely. <laughs> and was yesterday the first book that you ever wrote and gave to an agent? Um, I have had some interest um, in other pieces of writing, um, which I did. But in terms of a book, which I had to actually finish and was... Um, very eager to get out because I had reached a point basically where I knew I wouldn't want to change a single word. That was most certainly yesterday. Um, I knew I only had one shot with each agent. So when I sent it out, um, I really did my best to make it the best I could. And um, literally got to the point where I had taken in all the um, comments which my writing group had given me, um, edited the hell up of that manuscript and felt it was ready to send. So yes, yesterday that was, um, it reached that point for sure. Yeah, and you're also a graduate, if I'm correct, of Faber's Academy's novel writing program. Um, How useful was that to you? Uh, I felt that it was incredibly useful in many ways. Um, Firstly, I had a really good group of um, like course mates um, that were, 15 of us at the start, I think the number went down to about 12 or 13 by the end of the course. So some of um, my course mates actually kept in touch even after the course had ended and they um, would meet every week um, in Bloomsbury to exchange work. So I would go along and um, we would read about 3000 words every week in total and comment on each other's um, submissions and later on, when all of us had full manuscripts, we would read each other's full manuscripts and give com- comments. So that was incredibly useful, that network of fellow writers all in the same boat and all wanting to help each other in a very generous and open way. I thought it was immensely useful when I was editing yesterday also, um, when I was editing uh, Future Perfect. Um, many of my writing group um, members uh, continue to help me with my second book, which is incredibly amazing and generous of them. Um, So that's the first um, benefit from the course. 
Um, the second benefit was just understanding what the rules of writing are. Well, um, there are all sorts of technical rules, um, which um, creative courses tend to um, explain to um, students on them. Um, and for me personally, it's, it's very important to know what the rules are in order to be able to break them. And you really cannot break rules if you don't know what they are. So for me, I felt there was great use in, or great benefit rather, in uh, finding out what rules or so-called rules of writing could be and understanding how I can potentially break them. So that's the second benefit I can think of. Yeah, and for aspiring writers, would you recommend them to get like a group of um, other aspiring writers or other writers so that you guys can critique each other's work or just give comments, that sort of, you know, advice? Oh, absolutely. And um, I would encourage any aspiring writer to find a group of trusted people who they can send their work to um, ideally not friends or family, <laughs> because um, you know, friends and family tend to be quite polite. Um, and um, you really want uh, beta readers who are very um, honest with you um, and who can point out what's really wrong with your work. So you need that honesty for sure. And um, it's quite difficult to assemble a group from scratch. So um, the course, um, the writing course was what um, kind of gave me this group um, and as, as an unexpected bonus so I, I think I was really lucky to have my group yeah now I just kind of have some quick questions to ask you to end with um, if you could put music to um, Future Perfect like a soundtrack or something what would be on there what songs or um, I don't know um, yeah, or like a musical soundtrack, would you put to it? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I love this question. Now, um, I'm just desperately trying to think of what songs could have been mentioned in that book. And the first <laughs> one that comes to mind is My Way, uh, Frank Sinatra's. Yeah. And that's because I have a fashion designer in the book um, who um, gets into a variety of scrapes and towards the end of the book, I hope I'm not giving away too much, but towards the end of the book, he plays my way because he was very pleased that he had you know, spent his entire fashion career doing things his way. <laughs> so um, I think my way would actually be quite an appropriate soundtrack for Future Perfect because it's um, hopefully a, quite a unique book um, in terms of its concept um, and its story. Um, and I'm quite happy to say that, you know, I did my best to do it my way, this book, and hopefully readers will like it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's very unique in its concept. I think readers will like it. Hope so, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, the next question is, what was the last book that you read? I don't know if you read while writing or not. Um, I tend not to read so much while writing, but I do jump in um, quite earnestly. Um, after I finish something, um, you get very hungry for other people's work after you've just finished your own book. <laughs> um, so more recently, actually, I just read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I loved it. I really like the um, story, um, the characters, and also how um, the... It's, it's quite quirky. It's, it's a mix of um, various things. There's a murder element to that story. <laughs> Um, but also a love dimension to it 
and a lot of very uh, quirky, interesting observations about nature. So I really enjoy uh, books which uh, merge various genres. And I think that's a book which did it really successfully and well. So I loved it. Yeah, and what was the, what's the best book you've ever read? What's the best book I've read? Oh dear, I don't think I have a best book up to say, <laughs> but I can tell you some of my favorite uh, writers. Yeah. Uh, what they've written, I really like um, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. I love that book. That's my favorite oh, book. Yeah. I love The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the writings of F. Scott Fitzgerald. In fact, Tender is the Night really inspired yesterday, this um, sort of slightly tortured relationship between husband and wife. He did that really well in Tender is the Night and I tried to kind of um, take inspiration for that from his writing um, and try to incorporate some of his um, um, sort of feel of, you know, um, a very difficult husband and wife relationship, tried to incorporate a similar feel in my book. Um, so yes, um, I... I, I read quite um, eclectically and uh, omniversely, um, but yeah, these are certainly some of my favorite authors. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that you mentioned Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, because I do get some, you know, in the sense of, you know, how Rebecca's a murder mystery, or a mystery, and they have that romance element, but it's still quite dark. I get that vibe from Future Perfect. <laughs> you know what? I, I live in West Hampstead and I take a regular walk up to where Daphne Dumari used to live. <laughs> she lives uh, right up the hill. Um, it's just a short walk away from where I am and where a lot of daily um, exercise. So I, I actually do take a walk up there to where she used to write. Um, and it's actually quite inspiring because there are lots of um, writers uh, who lived in Hampstead in the past, like Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, and whereas others, so it's, it's a great place where I live, just hoping to soak in some of the alternate <laughs> wipes in this area when I walk around. Yeah, definitely. And then my last question for you is what can readers expect next from you after Future Perfect? Oh, that's a really good question too. Um, hopefully more writing, but um, as you may know, um, it's it's always a challenge to uh, keep <laughs> writing. So I certainly, most certainly hope to uh, continue as a writer and write more books. Um, and if that does indeed happen, then I would feel very privileged and lucky to be in that position. So um, I just hope to entertain um, through my words. And um, I'm a storyteller at heart. So hopefully people can expect more stories from me in the future. Definitely. And I wish you an incredible um, release date when your book comes out. And thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.